Hello, Next Geners. Welcome to our Monday review show. Damien Ratcliffe here, Chief Racing Rider at The Age, joined on every show by Hayden Byrne, our data guru from Daily Sectionals. And it's a real pleasure to welcome Mark Power, the trusted travelling foreman for Joseph O'Brien, who's out at Werribee. He's probably, um, have you sh shaken off your hungover, uh, hangover yet, Mark? I, I heard Johnny Allen uh, celebrated pretty big on Saturday night. Yeah, it definitely took a full day to go and shake it off anyway. Um, I was none the worse for it. And there was uh, one or two interviews for early morning that probably came across as absolute rubbish. But uh, um, anyway, they'll, learn, they'll, learn, they'll know for the next time. Yeah, that's <laughs> Not it. to be interviewing me that early. Uh, congratulations with the win on State of Rest. Uh, Hayden and I both were uh, in his camp on... On um on our show on on Thursday or Friday and um you know Zaki came out and um sort of woke up that was a bit of a shock with Zaki coming out but it, it might have made his job that little bit easier. Yeah, maybe it did. All right, but we'd have loved to have taken him on. Um, it would have been everyone wants to see the the big guns turn up and take each other on, and we're not no different to be honest with you. We you want to show how good your horse is. Um, and uh, it would have been a great race had he had he shown up. Um, but he definitely would have had to been on uh, top form to go and beat us there on Saturday anyway. Yeah, we'll ask Hayden later on in the show what what he thinks because he's our he's our data man there. But we were both pointing towards that win at Saratoga. I chatted to you for the age out at Werribee last week and. We thought that that race at Saratoga, a similar track to Mooney Valley, ability to show the turn of foot and up to a mile and a quarter, that's exactly what he showed on the weekend. Yeah, it surely was. It, it stood to him. I suppose you were a little bit more, maybe a little bit more confident having raced in Saratoga um, heading, into, heading into the race in Mooney Valley then that uh, the track wasn't going to pose any issue to him. So in that respect, we, we held every confidence going into Saturday. I have to ask you, the, the McKinnon is a race that would be up his alley if you wanted to uh, head that way and the horse pulled up well. How is he feeling and what chance is it that he lines up in the McKinnon stakes? Yeah, he does have a chance of lining up, um, but there'll be no decision made until we go and get a couple of canters into him. And like he, he's, um, he's fresh and well and he's sound after his race and he's eaten up. So all those initial... Uh, boxes that you're looking to take are ticked. So it's just kind of about monitoring them now over the next couple of days. Um, but MJ was happy the way he was moving this morning, the way he was trotting, cantering, and the form he was in. He did one he did one little canter there this morning, for, and he walked yesterday, did a little canter this morning, and will probably progress his canters and keep progressing them. And that will tell us then um, whether we're going down the wrong the wrong road with him by aiming at a McKinnon or whether we should uh, um, pull up now with him and uh, and leave it at that. But uh, we'll see. I don't think that think it would suit him um, and that he'd enjoy Flemington and um, I'd, I'd happily see him on a bit of good ground there as well. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes over the next few days. And is the plane booked after the McKinnon stakes? So that option's well and truly open or... I don't think the 
I don't know whether it is or not, but whether it was booked, I don't think it's a huge issue um, to go and if you you can delay it a week or, or so. I think I think it's they're fairly flexible like that. Yep. So I don't think that's going to pose a problem. Okay, Hayden. Trainers in Australia have multiple conversations prior to even taking a horse interstate to run in a big race. At what stage of this little horse's career did uh, the conversation about coming to Australia for a Cox Plate, at what stage did that come up and did he need to win in Saratoga in order to come out? He probably did, and the conversation was only had, I'd say, with Joseph Richard Ryan, the race manager, and Jim Coburn, his owner. That only happened after Saratoga. So jumping from listed to Group 1 company was probably a big step, and he could have kind of played out an easier option by attacking maybe a couple of lesser, or maybe a couple of Group 3s or... Uh, at home, maybe and and heading for a Breeders' Cup or or heading for Champions Day. Um, he had those options, and then the Cox Plate was another option. So we're lucky enough then to have owners, the likes of Jim Coburn, who was sporting enough to go take his chance and uh, and stump up and say, right, let's go, let's go to Cox to, for the Cox Plate and and head down there and roll the dice. Um, so that that I suppose it was only after Saratoga, really. In in terms of his ability in the O'Brien stable, he comes out here. He's relatively lightly raced. He ticks a few of the boxes from a analytical aspect. I thought he was the runner to beat Zaki in or Zaki out. Where does he sit in terms of where you guys think he sits in terms of ability? and in terms of being a world-class racehorse? I'm um, sure he's proven to be, he's probably our best three-year-old colt there now anyway. Um, he And he probably promised before he ever ran that he was one of our best two-year-olds. Um, and maybe we were slightly disappointed with him. Um, but when you see what size he is, and how much he kind of grew into his frame from two to three. It was no wonder maybe that we were left, maybe a small bit. He wasn't that is my lucky. He, he he ran in some top races and some group one races, like uh, at home at two. Um, but he was just a little way off maybe going winning one of them. But I think when you see what he's after growing and maturing into, into such a fine, big horse now, as a three-year-old, a three-year-old Northern Hemisphere horse, it's no wonder kind of that he did, that he didn't produce the goods to the top level as a two-year-old, and I think he will measure up uh, really well when he gets back, and he's able to compete hopefully there next year in those top uh, Group One races in in Europe next year. In terms of you brought a horse out here and second in the Cox Plate. Last year, guys bought multiple horses out here that have been either winning or extremely competitive. Where does he compare in line in regards to those runners, to the horses well, that you've been associated with? We've only ever brought out one Cox Plate horse, and that was Buckhurst. Um, and this lad would have more speed, definitely, than, than a lot of what we brought out. And other than that, we've only brought out horses probably aiming at the Melbourne Cup in um 
kind of kind of and a more staying type of horse in uh, rekindling toilet payment master of reality uh, downdraft a couple of those like they're more of a staying horse and this horse probably just has that a uh, little bit more class to him and speed i suppose than your typical uh than your typical stay or staying two mile horse i think it's probably hard for you to compare him to uh armory and adelaide who came here for aiden right yeah exactly i look i couldn't i couldn't compare him to um to armory to be honest with you we've had we've had no dealings with him and they're they're definitely two separate camps on you Tell us, um, Johnny Allen jumps on him for the first time. Uh, very interested. MJ Doran does all his work. You're on the phone every day to Joseph and uh, reporting back. And then Joseph gives you the instructions for the next day. And, and, and Johnny jumps on him for the first time on Saturday. Yes. Yeah, so as I said before, we love to keep the same routine in them. And by having the same rider, we can do that. So... Uh, we know the speed we want to go, um, what's, what sort of a canter we want to do, how far we want to go. And by not letting an outside man come in and sit on him, we just know that that's going to happen. Like, and you can trust MJ. Like MJ is a top-class rider. And he, he knows exactly how the horse is feeling. And he'll tell you if uh, whether he's moving any different or if he feels any different than the previous day so that's the benefit of having those those good riders and then I think well last year we I, I said it to uh, Joseph and Nick Williams that maybe we might get Jai McNeil in to ride um, Twilight Payment and so Jai came in and just because I said he'd, maybe I said it'd just be interesting for him to go and sit on him because he's not an over quick horse. And once he kind of knows that, that he's just a good staying horse. So Joy came in to ride him and uh, we told him what we were doing, uh, what way we were going to work them. And we had the other three horses going to work as well. So what we normally do is we canter a lap, pull up, and then we do our bit of work then the second time. But obviously, I'd maybe some bit of miscommunication anyway. Joy never pulled up in the middle of the work and ended up probably <laughs> he got off maybe with a little bit of his head in his hands a little bit so and it was look it all worked out for the better last year anyway but uh, look you can just rule out those things you, you know for certain that you're going to get what you want when you have the regular riders on so that's why it's easy to stick with the Irish uh, Johnny Allen understand each other a bit better <laughs> Exactly. I heard him mention that we must have baffled the stewards in the stewards room. There was too many paddies inside there. <laughs> what was it like in the stewards room? It was a nervous wait for me and I think Hayden had a bet as well. So it was a bit nervous for both of us, but we wouldn't have been as nervous as you. No, I'd say you certainly weren't. I was, um, yeah, I was nervous going in, but um, you go in and you, I kind of, you know, you had to fight your corner and um, everyone said their piece. Um, I would have said my piece, which would have been all new to me. Um, <laughs> but I think the, the determining factor really was that Animo had enough time to go and get by us after the initial contact. Um, sorry, now. Animo had enough time to go and get by us um, um, from, from the time of the contact. So I think that was... That was the determining factor uh, in the stewards' um, 
in this George result. One more thing I want to ask you about the horse. I was lucky enough to be there at Mooney Valley. I'm not sure, Hayden, if you saw the horses in the mounting yard before the race, but he was like he was falling asleep. He's really relaxed and um, and really casual operator. Um, probably knew he was on the job, but literally looked like he was falling asleep, Mark, compared to a horse like um, Mwanga, who was up on his toes and struggling to settle. But um, I guess that's an example of how, how well he settled into Australia. Yeah, it was. And I think we actually had it in the back of our mind that he might be a little bit of a handful, to be honest with you, because he was a handful in Saratoga. No, I wasn't there. MJ was there in Saratoga with him. And he, he was a good handful to tack up, up over there. And he was maybe being a bit of a bio down at the start as well. So we kind of had all that in our in our minds, tacking them up. So we kind of, and even the whole thing of horses heading to tie-ups in the in the stable yard, like that's a new thing for Europeans as well. And there's there's not all they don't always take to it, and they can get frustrated at being tied up because we'd never do that in Ireland. Like they go into a stable yard. And they're put into a stable and it's just a normal routine stable that's bedded down. So it's kind of maybe not as daunting as it would be over here in Australia. Um, but he took it all really well. And thankfully he didn't get worked up at all. As you said, he was good and relaxed beforehand. And yeah, it all worked out. Does does no crowds help? I guess in past years you, you're coming out to... 25,000 with music blaring and uh, all that sort of thing. It's a very different environment with no crowds there. Yeah, and he wouldn't have had too much experience racing in front of crowds either. When you consider how, when COVID started and when, when he started racing as a two-year-old. So he, he had very little experience of it. So, um, look, we were probably glad of it in, in some respects. But when you see how relaxed he was there, um, the, the idea of crowds being at his next event wouldn't really bother you to be honest with you. Aiden, you got another question for Mark? In terms of the race day conditions, Mark, we'd assessed him as having an element of brilliance about him, high level uh, high level straight line speed and an excellent turn of thought. How concerned was the stable going in um, with the possibility of a slow to a heavy surface with a horse like him? I don't think it would have posed a huge concern. I think your soft five would be a good to soft ground back at home and he'd have no problem acting on that. Now, I don't think he wants it soft. I don't think he wants it heavy. He'd probably prefer um, good ground. But having raced, and I think probably go back to his run in Nace last year as a two-year-old. He ran twice on soft and heavy. And I think if you go back to his nace run, he probably, that was over six, I think. And he probably should have, uh, was unlucky not to go win that day. No, it, it wasn't group one company that day, but at the same time, he proved he acted on it and handled it that day. So it wasn't really a factor and it wasn't going to be an excuse for us anyway that it was going to. But I do think that you'll probably see the best of his turn of foot on a, on a good surface, yeah. Now, he still showed it there today, and, and still, when that gap opened at the top of the, the, top of the straight, um, he really quickened up, and we kind of thought that he, he could have been the second quickest horse in the race. I've seen probably he'll run a couple of times, and she looks to be very quick. 
so we we kind of thought and we said that to Johnny beforehand um just to keep it in mind that that when he did when he did want them and he did go for them that he probably that he was going to produce this for him if you pick, if you pick the protest up if you pick the hearing up and the race conditions and you put it back home in the UK is there a protest and what is the decision uh, is there a stewards inquiry at home possibly i'd say um I think you would be very an awful lot more confident that you're going to keep it. Um, but you just never know how these things are going to play out when you play away from home like that. Um, but I think you would be very confident to keeping it at home. And here you're just you just don't know the lie of the land as well. And you you don't you're not um you don't have as much experience of it. So we were kind of a little bit in the dark, maybe in that sense, but uh, at home, I'd say keep it, yeah. And the last one from me, the little horse has got an opportunity possibly to run in the McKinnon Stakes. If he doesn't go to the McKinnon Stakes, or if he does, is there a stop on the way home, or is he straight back to the UK after Australia? Um, just don't mix us up with the UK anyway. We'll be heading home to Ireland. <laughs> um, we'll... we'll um, I don't. I don't know. To be honest with you, I'd imagine he he goes home. Um, but uh, and there's a couple of options on the table. I think of the possibility of maybe we have Hong Kong, Japan. They're kind of options to him now, I suppose. And and McKinnon. And um, so I I don't know. To be honest with you, they're all options, and we'll Joseph will discuss that with Jim Coburn and Richard Ryan over the next couple of days. Yeah, that was my thought process, that there was a handy day in Hong Kong and he's the right style of horse. So I was just seeing if I could pick your brain if there was a possibility of a stop off on the way home for a little bit of extra spending money. <laughs> yeah, there could, there could well be. I know, I know MJ will enjoy it anyway. I did have a chat to Richard Ryan for the age, actually, and he thought um, Hong Kong, the quarantine, might be a bit, bit sticky at the moment, but he mentioned the Saudi Cup in uh, February. So... If he was to win $26 million Australian, uh, hopefully, Mark, you're getting a little cut of that. I, I, ho I hope Richard Ryan is watching this YouTube <laughs> video, is he? Uh, I'll tag him in it because he does Make follow sure me. <laughs> <laughs> he, does, he does follow me on Twitter, so I'll get Richard to um, make sure he watches this. One last question for me. Um, you might know who sent me this text, but I won't dob him in. But he said, ask Mark about Gay Waterhouse's hangover cure. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I was in, we were, Twilight was doing his normal work on Sunday morning. Uh, I was definitely a little worse for wear. And Gay, Gay came in to see her horse work Sir Lucan. So to be fair to her, as soon I was out on the track before, I think, and as soon as I was on the track, um, she made it her business to come over and congratulate me. And she said, "Oh, whatever." She was she had a great job, brilliant. You did fantastic. Like it's some achievement. And I said, "Thanks very much." She said, "How are you feeling?" And I told her, "To be honest, I'm absolutely dying." <laughs> and she said she offered me she offered she offered me a couple of uh, a couple of Norafen from her handbag and said the best way in order to get rid of that a hangover is to drink plenty of water take an electric uh, so take in your electrolytes 
and make sure that your pillows are at a 45 degree angle and don't be lying on the flat of your back uh, or else the blood will rush to your head. So I said, Gay, you must you sound like a woman that's speaking with plenty of experience. And she said, I am indeed. <laughs> uh, and how did that work? Did you try it? Uh, well, it, it took, maybe it took plenty of water and uh, an extra two Norofen on top of it. But uh, look at here I am and uh, I'm talking to you here today, so I'm not gone yet. <laughs> no, good on you. I was on the way out for a while, all right. <laughs> It'd be remiss of us not to ask you, being generous with your time, but Twilight Payment, how's he going? He's got to carry the extra weight. And what have you made of some of the internationals like Sir Luke and who look like um, they're going to sneak into the field? Spanish mission, away he goes. A couple of other Europeans out at Werribee. Yeah, well, our own lad is going really well. Twilight, he's, um, he's obviously got top weight this year. So that's going to be a huge ask. We won't know until Tuesday week whether he's capable of carrying it and you can guess all you like, but until you go and do it, um, I know stats and history won't uh, won't be in your favour there, but we don't look at that and Twilight Payment won't be looking at that. Um, he's in really good form. His farm at home has been brilliant and every bit as good as it was last year. Um, and I think it was a really strong St. Ledger this year too that he was second in. Um and his form before that winning the St. Ledger trial. So, look, we couldn't we couldn't have him any better. And so whether we can go and perform on the day and carry that weight, who knows? We're, we're, we're expecting a huge run from him. And whether he can carry that burden, we're not sure. And then as for, I suppose, some of the other internationals, um, she can't, yeah, I can't be but impressed with Spanish missions farm tying into Stradivarius there. Um, that's the... Um, that that's that's the best form in the race, isn't it? Or it's definitely up there. Uh, and then um, I think Sir Lucan is snuck in at number twenty-four today. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, I think. Um, so he looks like he's going to get a run as well. So um, he might only have. But are we writing fifty-four? Maybe or he's, he's down yes. the weights there somewhere. I think. I think so, he's only got fifty um, kilos. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, sorry. So um, he he's look at he's. He's every chance, and you, you see some of their some of their canters, and that would be out. You'd be out on the same track, and um, I think all the lads, their lads, are really happy with them there now at the minute, and uh, their work looks to be strong. So, um, but we we won't be running scared of anything. Um, he'll take his chance, and he's uh, there's plenty of Aussies in there now that won't be running scared of us either with that weight. So, it'll be a great race. Thanks for your time, mate. Good luck in the Melbourne Cup. Make sure you get yourself some Nurofen and um, some water and uh, put your pillow at 45 degrees. And uh, fingers crossed, it'd be a great achievement if Twilight Payment could go back to back. And uh, fair to say we were cheering for you in the uh, stewards room on Saturday afternoon. We stayed a rest. So all the best. Hopefully he's back next year as a uh, four-year-old um, or at least maybe we might get to see him one more time in the McKinnon. Yeah, it'll be fantastic, but uh, we should, we'll see how the next next couple of days go and then the next couple of months, and uh, sure, hopefully we're speaking to you again soon, Damien. Good on you, Mark, and I'll uh, tag in Richard Ryan about a, a sling of the um, uh, a sling of some prize money for you. <laughs> Thanks very much. Hang Maybe on, don't mate. tag Gay Waterhouse, though, will you? <laughs> no, no, that's all good. <laughs> Feel free to um, hit in. Hayden and I are going to break down some of the sectionals we like to talk about. Um, and I think Hayden was pretty impressive 
the sectional data he got from um, State of Rest on the weekend. Yeah, that'll be interesting to read, so we'll have a look at that. No worries. See you later. Lovely, Damien. Thank you. Catch you, Mark. Bye. Thanks, Mark. Cheers, Ed. Thank you. All right, Hayden, tell us about this Cox Plate. It came down to a steward's room decision, but both first and second round huge, right? Well, what just two great little three-year-olds, weren't they? You know, he's a northern, he's a three-year-old um, by age, but he's a northern hemisphere four, obviously. Um, Animo, we they've been saying for a while there's a bit of rock star there, isn't there? And he definitely didn't disappoint anybody, especially me. I was really taken by his performance. The mayor. She just needed 10 more mil of rain. She might have had the opportunity to turn the tables on them. Although the way the track did race on the day, it was, you know, pushing that soft range. And I think the other two were both high level wet trackers as well as being high level horses. So not hundred percent sure she beats them under those conditions. She was brave and she was brilliant. I did think that she was possibly the winner at one point. Um, and then I think the class gap kicked in after that and separated the field. Outstanding Cox Plate, outstanding day. To have that uh, feel about it with no crowd was a credit to everybody involved. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, of course you enjoyed it. We both back state of rest. And um, how were you feeling with Zaki out the morning prior? I was... Not hiding. I had a very similar opinion as Mark just said. Not, um, We weren't prepared to hide. We thought we were on the right horse. Do you win? Do you not? Well, that's... Can, anybody can make up whatever they like. That's the honest truth. If I say that he beats Zaki, if I say Zaki wins or doesn't win, I'm making it up. What's my gut feel? If you ask me a question for a hypothetical... I'm saying that Zaki wasn't very impressive the last time he went around and he's come through the morning with an elevated temperature. To me, that the campaign was looking like it was over yep. and that might have just been the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, well, a number of hypotheticals going around on Twitter. Where would Zaki finish? Well, the truth is he wasn't 100% and you've got to be 100% to win a Cox Plate. So um, you couldn't be backing him. Animo, that's a career peak, I assume, from your figures. and. Very elegant. Was that a career peak from her figures? That's a peak from her. I, I had this discussion with somebody else during the week. When you are a wet tracker, you run all your big figures on wet tracks. You know, we run different modules through measurements, et cetera, wet track indicators, that sort of thing. When you're a world-class wet tracker, a very elegant Adiab or whatever his name is that likes to visit and bully us um, in Sydney carnivals, when you're that style of horse, from a times perspective, when it's a velocity and speed rating, it's very hard to smash the clock on a heavy surface. So you're going to run good numbers. They're never going to be great. That's why a lot of people have question marks surrounding very elegant. Is she a champion? Is she not? Well, to me, yes, yeah, she is. Of course she is. She's, you know, got the runs on the board. She's got the group ones on her resume, et cetera. And from an IVR perspective, yeah, that is a PB for her. She was excellent. All right. Um, Mwanga probably ran to about his form, I think. Maybe just didn't handle handle the wet late. I thought he was a touch disappointing. He got the wobbles around that corner. 
he looked like he was the one that was really going to drop out. And he actually fought back and beat probably Bill Dallasan, Callsign, Mav, Captivant, et cetera. His last 200 was actually quite good. You know, he's matched Probabile, two lengths inferior to those up in front. Hmm. I thought his performance was a pass mark. He seems to be trending in that two and a half to three and a half lengths above IVR benchmark profile, and he can't really burst through that bubble. So to me, he needs to step away from the A-grade Group 1 racing, have a look at the B-grade stuff and see if he can work his way back into the A-class. I think I proposed to you uh, ahead of the Epsom. You tipped him in the Epsom, um, and I had the feeling that he turns dour quickly. He races well fresh early in his campaign. We saw it last um, in the saw it in the autumn where he ran well over fourteen hundred um, to Tagaloa and Asa. He went to sixteen hundred. Should have won then. He won the two th- the Rose Hill Guineas at two thousand, and then he went back to sixteen hundred and couldn't mix it with the best. Is that a theory that you think stacks up that he's fourteen hundred, sixteen hundred? And then third up, once he gets to 2,000, he's not looking to come any further back in trip. He's he's probably a horse that prefers to be race, racing fresh. Uh, he's still run fourth in a Cox Plate and he's still smacked Probabil. So I can't buy that and he's still run to his profile. So in terms of him, I'm more concerned along the lines of he can't break through his profile and he's running well to what he's set for. You know, if you set for an Epsom and... A Cox Plates, the afterthought, it's not ideal. You want to be set for a Cox Plate profile to run to a Cox Plate. I don't think it was a complete afterthought. I thought it was part of the plan, but I feel that the Epsom was his race and he's just had to plateau through to this. I don't think he was there to really peak on the day as such, but I can't fault his run. And I think he's run quite a good race for him. I think he actually was running in the Epsom and then going to go to the Golden Eagle over 1,500 and it became clear that he'd be better suited to 2,000. And, yeah, he hasn't run bad, but I think comparing him to Probabil, again, she's caught a wet track in Moody Valley and that's not to her liking. No, I'm still not totally dismissive of her on wet ground. I don't think she doesn't handle it. They they do change their tactical approach, etc. There is a lot of negativity surrounding her. Uh, on wet ground, she was a funny thing going in there. I put a pen completely through her and thought she was no hope. She's probably disappointed to the extent where if she beat Mawanga home, she's run well. She's probably run three lengths disappointing. Okay. Tell us about Generation who ran the three-year-old race. I'm just trying to find whether he's backing up this weekend into the Coolmore, but that was a pretty... Pretty good performance, what he what he did. Excellent performance, tough, gritty, on speed. They rolled the dice, they rolled it from a long way out, and he was more than up to the challenge. I thought he was brilliant, and I thought the second horse in the run, Scissor Step, was brilliant, and he may have surprised a few. He might be a little bit better than... He's either a little bit better than what they thought he was, or he's living up to the expectation that he had from the camp. So I'd love to ask them the question. Uh, Scissor Step, he's run the fastest last thousand of the meeting. 
combined 12 fastest last 200. The horse who beat him generation, second fastest last 1,000 of the meeting. And he's basically been exposed from the 800 home to high pressure. So both of them excellent. Would you back generation again off the backup or is he a little bit behind the in the Congos, Artorias, Home Affairs, um, Extreme Warrior type horses? I think he'd need a couple to run below their best. If the big boys have got the fives and sixes still up the belt for the Cormore, then Cormore could be a fantastic race. So he's going to have to continue progressing and he might have to find two, maybe two and a half lengths to be in the finish of a Cormore this year, which looks like an excellent race. So for me at the moment, he's on the, uh, he's on the bench. He's definitely not dismissed. Race shape, race profile, et cetera, would sort him out. He's on the bench, so I'm not saying no or yes. I'm sitting on the uh, on the rope with him. All right. And the last race, Flying Mascot, she ended up smashing these horses, Star Rail, Anna Visto, Princess Jen- Jenny, Grace and Harmony, Vanagill, All Hallows Eve. Like, that's a decent mare's race. She just an outstanding wet tracker, or, or could she be really a mare that, um, you know, is competitive in a lot of these mile races? Well, a little bit of a statement here from Mr. Dabbing, wasn't it? I was, you yeah. know, don't forget about me. It's not just Hayes Dabbing, it's Dabbing as my own right. And someone I've spoken of very highly prior, McDougall, is an excellent rider, mate. And he's uh-huh. could more than cut it in Melbourne. She blew this field away. The market wanted to, the market was sort of, it was suggesting that this was about to happen. There must have been a core group there who thought that this, little mare was about to explode and that she did so she's capable we couldn't dismiss her on anything um in the mare's grade yep you know she, she'd go through to that Maya stakes from there wouldn't she uh well that's this week so i'm not sure if she's on the six day back up, uh, seven day backup either where, where would she go if she doesn't go to this race uh, to that race um there's a two thousand meter matriarch on stakes day the the race that a fair to remember one last year um, two thousand uh, for mares at Flemington. They could roll their dice. They could roll the dice there. You couldn't. Her profile leading off of that, she'll run two thousand meters. Yep. Okay. Well, maybe there's a one to follow there towards the matriarch. Friday night, the Manicato Stakes. I've written in the Age today that they're going to look at a date swap um, potentially with the Manicato because of the Everest is really impacting that race. It would be interesting to see if they move the Moyer a bit earlier onto the be in stakes card and then move the Manicato onto AFL Grand Final Eve where the Moya is now, you'd have horses going Moya to Manicato and then potentially Manicato three weeks or so or four weeks into an Everest. But Jonker got the chocolates done. Bella Nipotina snuck up the inside and just couldn't catch him. Uh, what did you make of that performance? And you know, where does it stack up going forward? I don't think we learnt anything new about anyone. Yep. if that makes sense. Jonker's a really good B-grader. No, he's a group one winner. He's an outstanding horse, but he's a B-grader when it comes to the sprinting ranks. Yep. He's run to his mark. Bella Nipotina continues to go to new levels. If there was a couple of drops of rain around, the outcome may have been different. I was taken by her performance. And the rest of them, that's about where they are, isn't it? Well, Lombardo pulled up with uh, EIPH, so 
Um, there were vet excuses there with Lombardo and, um, you know, it, did, it probably went quicker than it's ever gone before through that first section. So um, clearly didn't handle that early pressure. I just wonder if it had a little bit more of a breather, would it be able to have finished a bit closer? Jonker clearly dominated on speed um, uh, at a track that was uh, firm. Um, but, I, well, Lombardo's performance at Mooney Valley three starts ago should have stacked up um, with this with this um, performance from Jonker. Yeah, the first section sort of um, Lombardo out. That was a little bit too much pain, sustained yeah. it through the mid. And unfortunately for that runner, that went pop. So they'll go back to the drawing board, reset and go again. That just says, you know, he can be competitive in the second tiers, but his verge on the way up to the A grade has hit some traffic cones at the moment and hmm. the stop signs come out for him. So they'll go back to the drawing board, go again, reset. You wouldn't put it beyond a couple of these horses starting to think about races like Goodwoods and that next year, staying away from the A crop, going and trying to pinch more B grade style group ones, if you like. Yep. Uh, was Ice Bath's performance in the invitation any good? Was there racing in Sydney on the weekend, was there? Well, do you want to spend any time on this? On Trivier, was a little bit disappointing on face value. Um, Ice Bath got the chocolates there, um, sitting out the back on a slow tempo, big mid-race squeeze and a nice zip home last 400. The only reason I'll be interested in this Sydney meeting is if I can find some runners that are on their way to Perth. Mm, okay. If I can't find those little golden lollies, then I'm not interested in very much. Ice Bath, still progressive, good performance. She was unlucky in the mile race previous. She was a pass mark from this. She's going well. There's a couple of horses in that field that we have the perception of, of being either the top line when it comes to the mares or just a touch under. Maybe a couple of those are looking for the breeding barn. They're struggling. They didn't get track conditions to suit. Yeah, speed, et cetera, et cetera. Not really interested in the excuses. They're stringing together a couple, too many poor ones in a row for my liking. With mares, they say in form, mares in form are good. Mares in out of form are very dangerous commodities, especially from betting. So there's a couple there that are in the rubbish bin and they're going to have to get themselves out. I thought the winner of the last Quantico was very good. Purchases of Vince Accardi's race speed profiles with Volpine in there. They had the spew bag out when Quantico grabbed that on the line. Paid monstrous the place. It was hard to knock the performance from Halal. It's fixed up the C graders there. I thought Coastwatch was disappointing. He looks like he's come to the end of the campaign. He's spent all his pennies in the rows. Torrens was good. Ruby Tuesday was an outstanding performance. That horse can win again. Exo Boom was very good. You can put that in your book to follow. That race will dig deep. It'll go all the way down to Quacker Jack. Marzu. But, you know, that's just spelt the end of the carnival for Sydney, and now all eyes go to Melbourne. Probably in the bigger um, grand scheme of things, the protest. It has divided the nation. Well, we can't 
we can't exactly be uh, independent here because we uh, were financially invested in one result over the other. But could you have your two cents worth? I got two views. I never want to see races decided or change hands in that manner. If I bought a horse from Ireland to Australia mm-hmm. and lost a Cox plate under that scenario, I would never bring a horse here again, mm-hmm. ever, period. Um, then I look at the race itself. And I put the head-on shot on the, not the head-on, I put the helicopter cam on the next-gen page. Craggy boy makes a decision at the top of the straight where racing tight. He makes a, John makes a decision for the ground that he wants to go to, targets that part of the racetrack and goes there. Craig changes his mind. He was originally going to come to the outside of state of rest, track very elegant, go to the extreme outside. Craig realised shift in speed was going to occur and it was suicide going right, so he's gone left, made the right decision. John's left Craig enough room to drive a bus towing a giant caravan through the inside. He hasn't not left him room. Craig's decided I'm coming with you. You are in the better ground. We're going right. Craig's also made the call that we're racing tight. Now, Craig is the smartest of the smart when it comes to tactics riders. He knows everything about everyone. John Allen rides with an explosive action. Horses go left. You go and watch Ayrton. You go and watch um, when he rode Ayrton at Flemington and he goes from six to two in terms of lanes. He has an explosive knack to his riding and they turn hard left. Craig makes the decision knowing John's going to do that and Craig makes it so John can't use his usual action to get the horse to accelerate. He's thinking his way through the process the whole time. Craig makes the decision to race tight. If you make the decision to race tight and want to run right next to him, you can't expect that horse not to veer at all. There's no such thing as if you want a horse to race in a straight line, go and put him in lanes. Go and section him off in lanes and let him run through, you know, put him in walls. Doesn't work like that. So John's left him room to come through. There's plenty of room. They opt to race tight. Do they brush? Yeah, they do. But the 200 meter mark, Animo, is within three quarters of a length of state arrest. He's had the whole straight to beat him. He's had 130 meters prior to the incident to get even level up to him. He hasn't been able to do so. Uh And after the incident, he's had 70 more metres to run past him. You don't want races overturned. If you lost your money or lost the Cox Plate for that, A, give up punting. B, give up trying to send horses. You give up horse ownership. You give up sending horses to Australia to run in our big races. You would quit. If Craig's opted to take lanes one or two and John's drifted in six and nailed him into the fence, upheld all day. 
mm-hmm. but they've raced together and they've raced tight. John's twice changed, um, come up with the option to straighten his mount. Craig hasn't missed Animo the whole straight. The little horse on the inside was as brave as all of them. So it was the one to his outside. He was brave enough to hold him off. You know, you never, ever want to see the rider of the second horse not be granted his opportunity to go into the room and protest and plead his case as to why and for people to sit down and look at the video and say yes or no. But under those circumstances, mate, you'd never want to lose it under those circumstances. There was riders on Channel 7, um, rating.com, et cetera, et cetera, the jockeys were sitting there saying this should be upheld. And I just put, I would just love someone to ask those riders, if you were on the winner, could you ever envision, envision yourself losing? No. You'd no, feel that, sick. Yeah. It felt like they were putting themselves in the shoes of the, the runner-up, which is yeah. fair enough. Like, I think Willow had every right to lodge, um, to lodge an appeal, but... Um, I don't think there was, put it this way, to overturn it, you have to be certain that Animo would have won. And I don't think there's any certainty that Animo would have won without the, the contact and call it a brush, call it a bump, whatever you want to call it. Um, I nearly compare it to cricket where you've got one wicket left, left in a test and you're appealing for LBW. If you're not certain that the ball's hitting the stumps, you're not giving it out. And that, that was sort of, um, that was sort of the feel I got, um, on the weekend, but, um, yeah, we, you know, were, we were invested on one result, so... and I they, was, they, so. There's question marks from people saying, should we use sectional timing to, you know, is it time for an analytical um, aspect to come into it? From a sectional timing perspective, I don't think he beats him. No. No, well, he's, he's run a career peak, hasn't he, Animo? And he actually... Um, he ran the fastest last 200 of the race and was in, increasing his speed um, through all sections. So, you know, the big slowdown was from the, the whole field slowed down from the six to the four, right? That's right. So, you know, you can't, I wouldn't want that taken off the winner. If anything, that's, if anything, that's what cost him, right? He copped the biggest slowdown from the six to the four, showed that turn of foot. You just wonder maybe if he, you know, he was, in the end, he was following the right horse and didn't get there, but you just wonder if he had a bit more of an even transition through that through that period. Oh, but the acceleration between the four and the two has completely offset that. So the yeah. whole field yeah. slowed yeah. up. The whole field slowed. It's a generic slowdown through the lot of them. That's where Very Elegant started to make her little movement. John had to wait for a couple of strides to get his gap. When his gap arrived, Craigie Boy knew the gap was coming. Mm. and accelerated between that four and the two, and he's got a 1.1 length advantage in that section. So Craig's seen it coming and snuck up on his inside. And when they've let down, Craig's had a little bit of um, He's had the advantage in terms of acceleration. Mm. So great battle, great war between the two of them. One of the real great Cox plates. There's some... There's some noise going around that this horse isn't much good. Yeah, answer the question for us. Where does he stack up in Cox Plate winners? Um, and and how good do you think he can be? We didn't see the best of him. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced we didn't see the best of him. And 
on a dry track in all uh, in all fairness on a dry track I'm of the opinion that he would have made a mess of them 100% the mayor's further back as is Moanga and he's going to be a very dangerous runner if he can back up into a McKinnon on a dry deck at Flemington if he was got- going if he was going there, what price would you have him to win the McKinnon? Knowing he might meet Zaki there. Um, he's not going to meet Very Allian. He's not going to meet Animo. Um, he might meet Mwanga there on a dry track. There's little question marks surrounding that. Because if you go through his career, he never really backs up any. Like to him, that's a big backup. These mm-hmm. runs are really spaced. But that's, that's, that's that's Irish and European racing, right? They space their runs. We saw Magic Wand run in a and totally different horse, but Magic Wand run in a Cox Plate, run in a Melbourne Cup, come back, win the McKinnon. Oh, he's a better horse than her. From a um, mile and a quarter type horse. Yep. Yeah. So, in terms of talent, he's a better horse than a Magic Wand. He's fully capable of coming out and winning McKinnon. And from an ability, an Australian ability of what we've seen from him versus what he's produced overseas, et cetera, he's not far off a league issue. Mm. He's a touch behind her. He could make a mess of them in the McKinnon. I don't think anything from that race could turn the tables on him in a McKinnon. And it's going to take uh, Zaki to really come to the table to knock him off. Yep. And you wouldn't be back in Zaki. Possibility uh, of upsetting him though. Yeah, sorry, you just uh you just pause there, but you wouldn't be back in Zaki with the health concerns he's had and the um trajectory his form's been in. Yeah, for sure. Um I'd be more confident with this little bloke. This little bloke that run too. He might you know, he might improve the three lengths. He's the sort of runner to me with his structure and his profile is why I was a little bit wanting to know if the Hong Kong was an option because he's the right horse. Yeah, I, th- I think from the, what I gather was quarantine is going to be difficult with Hong Kong. But, um, yeah, he. I think he's certainly a horse you want to follow, whether you want to back him now for... The McKinnon, the, the challenge is whether he definitely starts. So I'd be waiting for the camp to say, yep, he's pulled up fine. He's going to have a crack at the McKinnon and then I'd be betting on him. But um, what was your thought on the protest? Oh, as I said, um, I think it has to be conclusive to turn it over. And I don't think Animo definitely wins. There was that clear air late. I don't think Animo was making any ground on him late and... Um, and I don't think the contact really impacted um, Animo's momentum. It sort of looked like they sort of bumped, but they were still going together, if that makes sense. It wasn't like Animo was coming up and it, it, really, um, it really made Willow pull up or anything like that. Um, if anything, it, it sort of reminded me of the bump that Val and Declare copped in the Melbourne Cup, and that actually helped, helped bump the horse back into momentum for the last few strides. So... Yeah, I think that I think Animo had every chance, but like I said, I was invested in one result, and I was clearly barracking for that. But I also agree, you, you don't want to see 
Cox plates overturned on 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 minor interference like that. It wasn't Johnny Allen didn't get a suspension or a fine or anything like that. So um, it wasn't it wasn't a very significant contact um, in my yeah. mind. You can um, though for the Animo supporters, like they couple very boisterous, very upset about the world really need to get out. Freedom will do them the world of good because they do need to go down to their local watering hole and maybe sample a couple of the finest from the tap. You're allowed to hope. You are allowed to hope. And when you go into a protest and there's a chance of you winning some money, you are allowed to hope. You've got every right to hope. That's part of the sport and part of the game. But to get on the front foot and go the attack after it, after it's all been said and done, Hmm. you know, wanting to point the finger and you know, call out actions and stuff like that. There's no need for it. It's the sport. It's the game we all love. Just in 60 seconds, though, how excited are you about Animo for the autumn? Like, yeah, we're talking about how good state rest was. Animo's put up a peak performance over 2,000 metres after peaking in the Caulfield Guineas, after peaking in the Golden Rose. He, um, the work, like, the autumn's his oyster, right? He, he deserves to be lining up in the Queen Elizabeth as a late three-year-old. Um, if he stays against his own age group in a, in a ram with guineas, he's flogging him there. You'd be voting for him to line up in an all-star mile. You, you couldn't be more excited about a horse like him, could you? Can I be disappointed? Can I reverse this and say I'm disappointed because he's a cult and I know there's not we're not going to see him for much longer? Well, we saw all two... All too hard, come back as a four-year-old and win a futurity and win, win a. Um, I think he won the Aura and the futurity. Um, he might have even run in the. Um, my mind's going blank now, but he he came back as a four-year-old and, and ran well. And look, Godolphin brought back Bivouac as a four-year-old, so Godolphin will keep them going if if they feel like they're going to continue winning races. But yeah, you're right. There'll be a point in time where they'll pull stumps on him, but um, they kept Bivouac going until he was no longer the dominant horse that we thought he could be. Would we like to see Go Dolphin pull the trigger on him and maybe race him as a Northern Hemisphere cult? Does his mile 2,000 metre profile warrant him doing that? The sprinting profile with a horse like Bivouac warrants staying here for speed and he will thrive under Australian breeding conditions. But do you tempt fate and maybe go, okay, let's dual hemisphere him and go and have a look overseas? Does the street boss bloodline warrant that? I don't know. I, I think he comes back and just smashes them in, in all the guineas races going around. He can win an Australian guineas or a Randwick guineas. He can win a Rose Hill Guineas. He's a better horse than Mwanga um, was last year, winning the Rose Hill Guineas. Um, and then he can he could run in a Doncaster. I'm not sure what weight he'd carry in a Doncaster, but he could win that. And then he could run in weight for age in a um, Queen Elizabeth and be very competitive, even if they get a wet track there. We know he can run in a wet track and Ramwick would suit as well. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about what Animo could do. But you're right, that Godolphin... Um, wouldn't be scared to send him overseas and make him a dual hemisphere cult. So, um, yeah, it, it certainly wouldn't be jumping off Animo. No, and um, our little boy Acrobat, he seems to be bobbing up again for a Coolmore. Have you got any insight onto him? I spoke to spoke to Will Bourne from the Kieran Ma team. He was at the breakfast at the best. 
Acrobat was down to do some work on the Tuesday before the Cox Plate because um, he was in that red anchor race um, that Dosh ran in. And I said to Will Bourne, Does Acrobat, how's Acrobat going? Does he run in the red anchor and then into the Coolmore? And they said, we're really happy with him. He's fit enough. Um, if we don't run him in the red anchor, we'll run him first up in the Coolmore. Um, so there's a little push there that Acrobat is fit. They're happy with him. He's going to be an expensive uh, cult. He'll be even more expensive or valuable if he wins a Coolmore. I don't know. Would, are, you, are, you, are you trusting his one run as a two-year-old that he's going to come and beat an in the Congo who won a Golden Rose and that form stood up, beat an Artorias? Um, no, I'm not. But I, I don't even know if this horse is real. I don't know if he exists. He, he might just be a myth. No, no, he exists. They're, they're sending him for this race. Well, he's just, to me, he's the most fascinating story. He is because six months ago, I wanted to start sniffing around and see if I could get a big, big price to back him in an Everest. And I've never seen him again. Um, that's more than six months ago. It's 12 months ago I wanted to back him to win this year's Everest. And um, I was thinking long-term Everest. I wasn't thinking long-term, I'm never going to see you again. So for me, it's dangerous and it's not territory that I like to go in or I ever want to go in. And Rothfire is my example of why I don't ever do that. So, yeah. but I would be and thrilled. And I think they've priced him on that potential too, right? Like I think he's about 14 or 15 bucks and you could not could not launch into that having only seen him once since or seeing him for one run as a two-year-old and not seeing him since. Yeah, he's like the Sean Rusling of the racehorse world. <laughs> He is. He's the Rusling. We know he's there, but he does a shoulder every time we've seen him. And uh, he was one of the most exciting that we had. And he never arrived. If you're not a Collingwood fan, you don't know what the heck we're talking about. Um, it's an AFL reference um, to a young Collingwood player who showed um, a lot, but was plagued with injuries and we never saw his best. Um, so, yeah, Coolmore is going to be one of the races of the day. The Derby is intriguing. Full field. Um, I, I've got a little. Um, I've got a little liking to Allegra on the good Olfen horse. Comes through the Profondo race, which we know is good form. But yeah, I haven't taken a deep dive into that yet. You certainly wouldn't have. The Empire Rose is going to be a great race. All the good mares are going there. Valandis didn't have any luck attracting them uh, to the invitation. So Empire Rose is going to be great. The Cantalas should be good. Like I said, the Coolmore is an outstanding race and a few other good races on Derby Day to get excited about as well. And then the Melbourne Cup's heating up. I posted one more little 41, um, 41 the win, $11 the place tip on the page this morning. Um, that horse, Sir Lucan, who Mark Powell was just telling us about, Gay Waterhouse, Northern Hemisphere bred three-year-old, similar profile to rekindling and cross-counter, although doesn't have the same winning form that those horses brought. Um, but I just thought um, uh, some news that he was going to get a start, that the, the race was falling away and he's 24th in the order of entry. And I just had a little bit there. If you want to take on incentivising, Sir Lucan might be one to keep an eye on. But we've got a bit of time before we uh, dissect the Melbourne Cup, mate. We've been going an hour. Appreciate your time. And I'll chat to you during the week ahead of Derby Day. Just before we go, if Sir Lucan were to win the Melbourne Cup, mm -hmm. you've nailed the Cox Plate winner at big price. Okay. 
This isn't this isn't in the same category. I'm not putting Sir Luke I'm and just um, putting this is that I've just noticed. I think our good mate Ralphie, I think it might have been Ralphie who noticed there was a little bit of me time in the background for an office backdrop of um, the two-timer. Yep. There it is. So there's a little bit of me time going around in the office. 39, made famous by Scott Crow of Collingwood. Um, he sure. No, we'll go with Scott Crow. We'll go with big ones. Um like you've eaten the ice cream after you, you haven't licked the ice cream, you've eaten it after your big Cox Plate win. Really gone out and anybody who's uh, questioned you over the pathway, you've caught up with them in the time frame from, <laughs> now, from then till now. So everything's all well and done. If you nailed the Cox Plate winner at the big odds in the all-in market, would you? Would there be a statue of Damo at the front of your own residence? So could you be bronzed at your own house? Or could if you I get the Melbourne Cup as well? Yeah, or could could you frame yourself? Could you be framed and put yourself in the office? No, no. A bit of Madame Tussauds no, style. No. Look, the, uh, this Sir Lucan bet's not in the same category as State of Rest. Um, like I said, plenty of times. I love that American form for a Cox Plate. They go fast and the best horses win. And I thought that um, form would stack up. Um I'm not as confident on Sir Luke, and I just thought that um, if he gained a start, he'd be a lot shorter than the 41s when I posted it this morning. And within a couple of hours with the new acceptances coming out, that horse is now um, half the price. He's $19 and $5.50 the place. So good luck to anyone who got on. If you want to jump on Betfair and lay off, you have a free ticket um, with what you got. Um, I wouldn't talk you out of that. I'm not saying... Sir Lucan's going to win it all. And I chatted to Gay Waterhouse today and she actually thinks the horse will be better in 12 months' time. So, you know, she's happy to have the runner in the field. She's won a Melbourne Cup before, but um, he's he's probably no chance. I just thought um, I, I wanted a ticket on the race because incentivise is going to be hard to back at $2.30. So, um, yeah, something to follow. Anyway, we've been talking rubbish for too long, mate. Um, good interview with Mark Power. Uh, don't ever... Uh, insult the Irish again um, and uh, and uh, I'll, I'll see you ahead of Derby Day mate, bring us some more winners Oh it suits the narrative when everybody wants to parade under the one flag at the Olympics to, so we can get a couple extra gold medals <laughs> but when we've got to separate ourselves, you know when it's our own achievement we've got to separate so Brexit, fantastic mate. what a great stable and isn't it just a pleasure to watch them bring their great horses here yeah, Joseph is a maestro. Um, all right, mate. Chat to you soon. Bye. Yeah.